ago, maybe for some of us, or for some reason, this living sacrifice wants to get off the altar and walk away and give up some of the things that we surrendered to you already. Lord, we're giving them back to you. We're laying them at the foot of the cross. And we surrender our self-will to you because you're the Lord and we're your people. And we give ourselves to you willingly because of what you've done for us on the cross. You didn't have to do that, but you loved us so much that you did do that. Father, there's a whole world out there that needs to know that Jesus saved them. There's a world out there that needs to have the courage and the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge to say yes to you. So today, Lord, many, many people that hear this message, whether over the internet or whether they're in the church today, let us all get back on track and let's travel on the line on the path that leads to Jesus that narrow path that leads to you instead of the wide path that leads to destruction we surrender our will our rights and our control to you today and if that's not true right now may it be by the end of this service those online, those here, those that will listen down the road to one of our messages online, let them once again surrender all. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, the instrument of death. Take up his cross and follow me. Father, that's what we want to do. As we come to this holiday season of Thanksgiving and Christmas were the first advent of our Savior when he appeared on earth. We think of the second advent that's going to come and we long for that. Get us out of this place because our home's no longer here. It's in your kingdom. In your kingdom. And that's why we're now ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven on a planet called Earth, in a country called called U.S. United States of America, in a county named Palm Beach. Lord, today, our will we give to you. We surrender it all. In Jesus' holy name, amen. amen. God bless the church. You may be seated. One of the few times I've asked the the worship people to play a song was was today because I wanted this uh, this song to go forth because that's what our message is about today. As I looked into to um, Matthew chapter eight verses eight through eleven or eight through twelve, I'm sorry. You know, I thought I can't go any further than this. This this passage is about discipleship. It's about surrendering to to God and uh, through Christ. So that's what I named it. The title of this message is I Surrender All. And we're going to look at a couple of passages. Um, we're going to look at Matthew 8, 18 through 22, and, Ma- and Luke 14, 25 through 35, and we're going to glean some info out of this. But before we go on, i got to remind everybody online that just tuned in, you're listening to Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're online, freedomchurchpb.org. Freedom Church PB stands for Palm Beach.org. And uh, you can listen to us on Sundays at 10 a.m. on Thursday night at 7.15, and we'll be glad to have you. We're finished up the book of Genesis this, this Thursday probably, and then we'll be jumping into another book. But... Um, for those of you that are here or local, 2810 High Paluxo Road, just a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road. For men, we have a men's Bible study that uh, meets every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. And it's a good time, and some interesting things come up 
and uh, it's it's a great time when men open up and and praise the Lord together. So anyway, now that you know who we are, tune in next Sunday at ten and next and Thursday night at seven fifteen, and we'll be glad. You can even donate online. You can check us out. What we believe in, everything that you need to do. For those here, you know, again, there's envelopes in the back of your seats there in front of you and uh, we never take an offering there's boxes in the back as we want we believe this unless God builds the house we labor in vain so as long as he provides we'll be here so praise the Lord I surrender all the cost of discipleship that's what hit me smack in the face as I read this about discipleship how important it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ you know, you think about it, Jesus didn't say really to go and make converts. He said go and make disciples, okay, because a disciple will make a convert. You know, we'll be preaching the gospel all the time. So here's Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. And a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. So we're going to get some more information in Luke chapter 14 and I'm going to read from the 25th verse this is a, a 10 verse passage now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes and even his own life also he cannot be my disciple and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple for which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it lest there after he has laid the foundation it is not able to and is not able to finish it he will he who sees it will begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish or what king going to make war with another king does not first sit down and con consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet who comfort who comes to him with 20,000 or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is either neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's a tough passage. That's a tough passage. But let me read you another passage just, just to back this up. The Lord tells us that we need to make sure in verse in Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, but I'm going to read 1 through 4. I charge you, this is the Apostle Paul writing to his disciple Timothy, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his coming and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. He said, this is important. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will, they have, according to their own desires, where I lost my place, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 
There's going to be a time that comes, and it is here today. I don't know if you know it, but there's seven and a half billion people on the face of the earth, and there's not a whole lot of Christians really compared to that comparison. According to the Lord, he wants all seven and a half billion people to be saved because he wishes that none would perish and all would come to repentance. But what happens is they start floating away. They drift away. And remember I told you the story about, you know, when I used to walk to school when I was a little kid, there was a little pine creek. that where I used to fish in it all the time until I was probably 20 years old. And at this one little part of the stream where a bridge went over, there was a, some rough waters, rippled waters. They weren't real fast or anything, but it was clear, and it was only about a foot deep. And those red-tailed suckers were about an, a foot long, 8 to 12 inches long, and they had red tails on them. And they would sit in the rapids there waiting for the food to come down, and they would suck it up. Well, just like if you watch those suckers, you know, they'd have to flip their tail to stay where they're at. But usually they were drifting backwards. Little bit at a time, little bit at a time. And that's what's happened to Christianity today. People are drifting back a little bit at a time. But every once in a while, those red-tailed suckers, when they realize that they're in the calm waters, they scoot back up. It's time to scoot back up, church. Scoot back up and surrender all to Jesus. That's what this is about. But a lot of the churches today around the world are, are, are they, they, aren't getting this, the proper teaching, the nourishment. They're eating, they're eating apple pie with whipped cream instead of steak and potatoes. Discipleship is one of those steak and potatoes messages. This man that we just read about here, you know, he's, I'm going to read verse 18 and 19 again. Now, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side. This is the Sea of Galilee. It's about, it's about, Three and a half miles, no, it's about seven miles wide at this point. He gave orders to depart to the other side. And a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you anywhere. You know, this guy most likely had an emotional commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he most likely, we just studied this chapter, so he most likely saw Jesus lay his hands on this leper that was full of leprosy according to dr luke you know that, that he laid his hands on him and the leprosy left and it was the only time the jews could actually go to the scriptures and find out what it is what they should do to for an offering as as the leper was healed it was never done before yes there were times naaman naaman the syrian general you know, went to Elisha, and, and he was he told to go dip in the, the Jordan River seven times, and the leprosy would be gone. But he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a Hebrew. And he began to worship Jehovah God and not the foreign gods of his, his master. But he didn't offer sacrifices because he didn't have the scriptures. So he did offer sacrifices. This, the Jews didn't know how to handle this, as we well learned. They had to search the scriptures. And Jesus, I believe, did that on purpose. He said, go offer the, 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 the sacrifice that you are told to do in the scriptures. So that he would get the attention of the scribes and the Pharisees. He would get the attention. Well, and this has never been done before. This might just possibly be the Messiah. Just possibly. Jesus did that on purpose. This man has an enthusiastic heart. You know, he, he most likely saw the leper healed. He most likely saw Peter's mother-in-law healed of, of, her, of her fever, her great fever. And even in the passages before us in this chapter, many people were healed by Jesus. They were brought to him at night, and he healed them, and he cast out demons. This was all going on. This guy may have had an emotional commitment. He had an enthusiastic heart. He knew... He w but Jesus knew he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. You know what? When Jesus gets into this boat and he starts over to the other side, he's going to run into a huge storm. And this guy wasn't ready for the storm. And Jesus knew it. This man took no thought to, to his commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he didn't weigh the cost like the king that was going out to battle with 10,000. And, uh, and he, 
He's, he's smart enough to figure out, hey, there's 20,000 over there. I probably aren't going to win this battle unless God be with me. He sends a delegation for peace. This man didn't weigh the cost. Jesus was headed right into a storm, and he knew it, but the man didn't know it, and Jesus knew he wouldn't probably survive this. This man most likely had an emotional commitment, and there's many people in the world today that raise their hand, even come to the altar with tears, but it's an emotional, it's a head commitment and not a heart commitment. It needs to be a heart commitment when you raised your hand and when you cried your tears or when you came up to the altar. You just got smacked with the Holy Spirit of the living God that raised Jesus from the dead, and you should be a different creature. Just like I said, if you walked across the street and got hit by an 18-wheeler and dragged you 150 yards up the road, you would be different. You would look totally different. And likewise, your outside flesh isn't going to change, but inside you will look totally different. And you're being born again of the Holy Spirit. You will look different. You might look the same. If you weighed 150 pounds when you got saved and received the Holy Spirit, you're going to weigh 150 pounds after you get saved. You know, if you were six foot two before you were saved, you're going to be six foot two after you're saved. That's just all there is to it. But your insides will change. Your heart commitment will come out. This man, I don't believe, had it at this point. I believe Jesus would have said, come and follow me then. Jesus told him, he said, the foxes have dens and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This man probably was changed, but he needed a change in his thinking too. This was the first step maybe that some of you have made in your churches about raising your hand or coming up to the altar. But when you walked away, you were still pretty much the same person you were when you were up front. We need to, like the red-tailed suckers, scoot back up because all the food is up at the top of the ripples because the other suckers, if you're the last sucker, you're going to get minimal food because the other ones are going to get the best. We need to scoot back up as Christians. The Word of God tells us, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, to examine ourselves and to see if we are of the, of the faith. And in that same verse, he says, test yourselves. So when you're going to examine yourself and test yourself unless you fail the test, says, says 2 Corinthians 13.5. Some of you may have failed that test. If you, if you haven't changed once you made that commitment, then something went awry, and you need to scoot back up. He took the first step, but I don't think he was totally done here. He was affected by the miracles that Jesus did. And some of us, you know, were affected by miracles that we saw or things that Jesus did. But miracles are a supernatural ability or a supernatural, what can I say, a supernatural activity that revealed a spiritual truth. A supernatural activity that revealed a spiritual truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Lord. That's what Jesus, I was hoping, I think, could happen when the leper went to the scribes and said, offer the sacrifice. They had to get the scriptures out. This was never done before. Who is this guy? Who is he? Memories of miracles only last so long. So you're not to put your faith in the miracle you saw. You put your faith in the one who did the miracle. Because it revealed a spiritual truth to you that Jesus is the Messiah. You know what? Let me move on. Pass my notes. We live in Palm Beach County. There's mega churches all over this area. We are not one of those mega churches. America's top churchless cities. You know where West Palm Beach 
Numbers? Number 11. There's mega churches all over this area, but we have been ineffective. You know why we've been ineffective? Because we're not disciples, we're converts. A disciple will follow Jesus anywhere, even into the storm, and he'll be prepared for it. Oh, you know what? I see Harry and Janice here. They're from Boston. Okay? Jonathan Edwards preached in a great revival in America in the 1700s. Over George Whitfield was involved in that a little bit, and a lot of other preachers from Pennsylvania. Over 50% of Boston was saved with his sermon, you know, Sinners in the hand of an angry God. If we preach that in the churches today, people will walk out the door. I'm, oh, Jesus loves me. Yes, he loves you. That's to, be, that's to be well known. But we're hanging by, a, by a one web of a spider ready to drop into a fire. Sinners in the hand of an angry God. Yes, God is love, but he's also a just judge. And sin cannot enter his kingdom. So therefore, you have to be washed in the blood of his son Jesus to be saved. Boston, you know where it rates now? In 200 years, maybe 300 years max. Number three of the worst churchless cities in America. What happened? You know what? Those red-tailed suckers? They're no longer in the rapids. They're just laying in the mud. Anybody here from Buffalo, New York? You're 25. How about Jacksonville, Florida? Well, we're that range pretty good. 60. It's number 60. My hometown, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, if you picked up on my accent, we rate number 39 in Pennsylvania. Those are not good statistics, church. You know what? Whenever the preachers preached, convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, the people didn't hear. Be ready. We're told to be ready. These men that said they'll follow Jesus everywhere, Jesus is speaking to them in a spiritual sense to follow him. It's better explained, I guess you could say, in Luke 9, 61 and 62. And to another also, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Does the church forget these these truths that Jesus is telling us that we forget. You, you put your hands to the plow. You walk with Jesus for a while, but a storm came up, and you quickly go back the other way. You quickly go back to the drugs, the alcohol that you used to be on instead of weathering the storm. You weren't ready. It's time to scoot back up. Scoot back up into the, into the, the ripples where the food comes down. Luke 14, 25 through 27, that we read it, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and, yes, sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You know, you know Jesus, God loves you so much. You know that Jesus, it, it, he, this is a literal, a literal explanation for a spiritual truth. Jesus doesn't want you to hate your mother and father and sister and brother. Where the scriptures are clear, you're to honor your mother and father. He is trying to make a comparison here. Your love for me should be so much deeper than your love for your mother or your father. It's a spiritual passage. It's not literal. Don't take it, no, oh, I'm a Christian now, I'm going to hate my father and mother. No, don't. You interpret Scripture by Scripture, and if you interpret Scripture by Scripture, the Scripture says to honor your father and mother and many other places. So we can't take it that way. It's a, it's a spiritual passage. Whoever does not carry his own cross 
and come after me cannot be my disciples. You have a cross to carry, church. Every one of us have a cross to carry. It's Crosses are heavy. That beam, if Jesus just carried the beam of the cross, I think it's called the patabellum, it weighs about 150 pounds. That's if they, you know, the uprights were already built. We don't really know how it was done. I would think it was done that way. And then whenever the the, the patabellum was dropped on the upright pole and slammed down, it jolted all his bones out of joint because he was so weak, which fulfilled more scripture. Imagine. Imagine if, if churches would, would preach this kind of stuff to the congregations today. Imagine. Their churches would be empty. They got a seeker-friendly church. We want your presence and your money. We aren't going to teach the rough stuff. Well, this is some of the rough stuff that we're hearing here today. If you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. If you made a, an emotional commitment to the Lord, you may not be even saved. The Lord's just simply saying, by comparison, you should hate. By comparison to your love for me, you should even hate your mother and your father. And I don't know about you, my mother and father are already in heaven. And I love them with all my heart. I think of them every single day of my life. And ask God to tell them I love them, along with a bunch of other people that I know that are there. J. Vernon McGee even says that this is not a literal passage. You know J. Vernon McGee, one of the most powerful preachers around. I don't agree with him on everything, but we do agree on one thing. Jesus Christ is Lord. He came, he died, he was buried, and he is risen. That's the foundation of the church, the very foundation. We need to step it up a notch, America. You know, if I go meet with other colleagues, other pastors around, you know the first question they ask me? How many people are in your church? You know what the question should have been? How many disciples do you have? Because the number in the church doesn't really tell what the discipleship is. We're a little church, but we have a lot of disciples here. Jesus said when he left, he gave us a command, go therefore and make disciples. Once that convert gets saved, you know, teach them. I always say this, the Word of God says this, that you are to read the Word of God in Deuteronomy 17. You're told in Romans 10 to hear the Word of God. You're told to obey the Word of God. We're told to meditate on the Word of God by Joshua. We're to memorize the Word of God. How does a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy Word. Thy Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We're even told by Jeremiah to eat the Word. I, the Word was fine, and I did eat it, and it became the joy and the delight of my heart. Christians are, a lot of Christians, they won't even pick up their Bible and read it. This is your love letter from God. When I was involved in Vietnam, I wanted to hear from my family so bad, I put my life on the line every day to run to the air base from our field unit and pick up the mail because it was my love letters from my mom and my dad, my sisters. You're to eat it. It became the joy and the delight of your heart. If you read it and say, oh, man, i got to read four chapters today in John. Oh, man, you know what? Don't, don't read them. Wait till you have the time. You're to memorize it. You're to eat it. You're to study it. Study and to show yourself approved unto God. You don't depend on the pastor to tell you. You read it for yourself. You know that pastor, if he isn't on the right track, he can lead you down the wrong path. You have to check it out. You have to be like the Bereans. That every word that Paul and Peter preached, you know, they, they checked it out to make sure it's true. 
that answer kind of blows their mind when you say that because they don't know how to answer it. They probably never even thought of that question. Discipleship is the heart of the Christian church. I stand here today because my pastor took me aside when I got saved, and he wasn't the war pastor that led me to the Lord. He saw that I was hungry for the Word of God, and he put me on a memory course by navigators, and I start memorizing hundreds of verses. And he'd check up on me on Sunday. And I wouldn't avoid church just so I would, I would try to avoid him in church if I didn't memorize it and didn't have it all down, but I was always in church, taking for the Word of God, studying it, meditating on it, and it in, what can I say, saturate your being. In the Matthew, the book of Matthew, we're told this in chapter 28. I love it. Verses 6 and 7. Now I'm going to paraphrase it quickly. It goes, He is not here. He is risen. Come and see. Go and tell. He is not here. He is risen. Come and see. All of you out there over the internet here and here today, come and see that He is risen. And then you go and tell. You don't leave the church and not tell anybody about it and show up in church next week. Discipleship. You know what, if we did what Jesus commanded us, even the secular world has those multi-schemes uh, of how they rake in all kind of money. I forget what they're called or some kind of schemes. But if every disciple made a disciple and those disciples made disciples, this world would be evangelized in probably two months. But because we leave and we don't say too much to anybody, of course, not everybody's going to receive Christ. We know that. There's going to be a little law in there. But we got to tell. we got to go and tell. Instead, we, a, lot of decide, a lot of Christians sit in church. They take it in. They're eating the apple pie with the vanilla ice cream and the whipped cream, and, and they forget about the steak and the potatoes. They forget to tell their brother that God loves them so much that Jesus demonstrated his love toward us while that you were a yet sinner over here. Christ died for you. What are you going to do about it? You're going to receive him as your Savior? But as many as received him, he gave you the right to become the child of God. You have the right to become a child of God just by believing in Christ. And believe, don't take it lightly, adhere to, trust in, rely on, like glue. You're glued to him. No one can be my disciples who does not give up all of his possessions. Therefore, salt is good, but if it has lost its saltiness, it's no good at all. What good is it to put salt on your pot roast if it isn't salty? You're just wasting your time. Throw it out. Jesus is talking spiritually here again. You can't be his disciple. You can have possessions. Jesus isn't saying get rid of everything. He, you can have possessions, but make sure he's first because any, any of those possessions can become an idol. And we aren't to have idols. We're to have the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's it. So we're told, you know the verses. I quoted it, I think, when I prayed today. If any man wishes to come after me, number one, first he must deny himself, then take up his cross, and then follow Jesus. Deny yourself. Everybody says, well, I have a right to this. No, you don't. You gave up your will, your rights, and your control when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You gave them up. It's His will now for your life. You gave up your rights. You gave up your control to Him. You want to be used by Him. I remember praying when I prayed. I said, make me the man you want me to do. You know, today I found myself praying that same prayer yesterday. Make me the man that you want me to be. And I've accused some of it, but not all of it. I can guarantee you that. Christ must be loved more than your relatives. It's spiritual. Love for your relatives is secondary to your love for Christ. He's not saying hate. He's saying deny yourself. You know, the scriptures say this. In 1 Kings 18, 21, verse 3, you see, Jezebel just killed a bunch of prophets of God. 
A man named Obadiah took a hundred of them, separated them by fifties, and fed them all the time to keep them alive. Now, there was a, a duel going on up on Mount Carmel. The, the, the prophets of Baal and Azeroth was competing against one little man, Elisha. And Elisha said, we're going to find out who is God. You can offer your sacrifice, you know, and you can call on your God, and the God who answers by fire, he shall be God. So what happened? The prophets of Baal and Asherah, they, they weeped, they cried, they cut themselves until the evening sacrifice. And they called fire down, but fire didn't come down. And then Elijah said, hey, give me an ox. He split it in half. He put it on the altar that he built. He dug a trench around it, put, put uh, a peace offering, I think, in a fr of grain in the ditch. He poured three, three buckets of water over till the water filled the trench. And he called on God, and the God who answered by fire, he was God. And there it was. Fire came down and hit the sacrifice, burned up the sacrifice, burned up the, the water in the trench, and licked it all up. And, and, and then the people said, hey, here's what, here's what he said, Elijah said. Why do you waver between two opinions? If God be God, serve him. If Baal be God, serve him. So then they all began. They all began to to say, you know, Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. And then what did Elijah do? Took those 450 prophets of Baal, took them down to the Kendron Valley, and he, he wiped them out, had them killed. Listen, you were supposed, this man, Elisha, was sold out to the Lord. You can spell that two ways, S-O-L-D, or you can spell it the true way in James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. He said, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And double-minded in Greek is disukos, which means double-souled. S-O-U-L-D. E-D. Double-souled. Is the church today double-souled? We're supposed to be sold. Our whole soul is God's. Even David, when he prayed, Psalm 86, 11, he said, Create in me a new heart, O God, and restore a right spirit within me. These prophets of Baal lost, lost that a long time ago. The double-minded man you know is unstable in all of his ways. A lot of the per church today is unstable in all the ways. Somebody asks you, prove to me that Jesus is Lord. They can't do it because they don't know enough Scripture. They can't put it out there clearly. But it tells the Word of God tells us to, to be ready in season and out of season, not just for the pastors, not just for the evangelists and the apostles, but for the people, the congregation. Revelation, you know what God Jesus tells the church of Laodicea in Revelation. He says, you know, I would, I would rather you be hot or cold, because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You know, vomit is forceful. The King James uses that, that, that. It's trying to say, the Lord's trying to say something to us. Catch the message. That's why at every end of the, every church, Jesus says this, let he who hears hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. He who has ears to hear. 1 Corinthians, whatever you do, we're supposed to be doing to the glory of God. Mark 10, 45, even the Son of Man, he didn't come to be served, he came to serve. But yet, you know, a lot of the pastors in the church, they expect you to go get them a cup of coffee. No, you know what his position is? He's supposed to get you the cup of coffee. Because he's the servant. If Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, shouldn't the disciples wash the feet of their disciples? Philippians tells us, have this attitude in you that was in Christ Jesus who emptied himself. 
who humbled himself at the cross. These mega preachers today, they make millions of dollars every year. And then when are we supposed to be preaching the gospel to get the gospel out there? If I made a million dollars a year, I probably wouldn't be sitting in my bank account. I'd make sure I was protected from the future, me and my family, but I wouldn't be, I mean, we have work to do. We have Brett, he's not here today, but, you know, Brett, evangelist, uh, missionary, he was over in Nigeria last month. His life were, these, these people that went over there, lives were threatened to the point where the ministry t- pulled them out. But they were willing to lay down their life. And I know Brett, he would have stayed there if he could. And right now he's headed for, you know, if he's here next week, he's the week after, he's headed for Brazil with his whole family where he started his mission work seven or eight, ten years ago. He emptied himself. We need to realize who Jesus is. We got to deny ourselves. I surrender all, not some, all to Jesus. I surrender. David even knew he was in trouble. He had to, he had to, like I said, call to God and say, "Create in me a new, clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit for me in me. Create in me in in Hebrew. I'm sorry." And 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 uh, Judy and Hebrew language, yeah. Create is the word bara, and bara means create from nothing. David wasn't saying make this heart, you know, uh, good again. He's saying give me a new one from nothing. Because David, you know, David, he had a, he wasn't such a nice guy, but he had a heart that chased after God. Being a disciple will cost you. It may cost you your worldly relationships. I know when I got saved 40-some years ago, my best friend didn't want any part of me anymore. It cost me. It may cost you money. It may cost you your live-in boyfriend or girlfriend, but you got to get out. You can't stay like that. It may even cost you your family, your mother, father, your sister, your brother may even turn against you for a time. But then again, with your preaching, they'll be coming around. I believe so, if you have faith that will move that mountain out of your way. You may even change careers. You might be a painter and God might make you a missionary. You might be a missionary and God might make you a painter. You don't know. You gave up your will, your rights, your control. You know what? It may cost you your worldly riches, even your house, your car, your auto. You might be driving around in a junker instead of a Mercedes. Your lifestyle is definitely going to change. It will cost you your lifestyle, your lying, your cheating, your drinking, your drugs, your alcohol, your foul mouth, your coarse jokes, and a whole bunch of other things, your lusts. Being a disciple will cost you, but you must count the cost and not make an emotional commitment. I know I didn't know these verses back when I got saved, but I know one thing. I did weigh the cost. I knew my mom and dad. When I was checking on Jesus, my dad and mom called me up and said, you're no longer my son. Don't you come to my house if you you become a Christian. I I know what I did. I studied the scriptures. I brought their Roman Catholicism rules before them or their outline. I said, I believe everything that that says. The only difference between me and you is I'm living them and you're not. They didn't like that, but they did at the end because they're both in heaven now took a long time for my dad, but it's happened. A believer will say, I'll follow you, but a disciple will say, I'll count the cost. I'll follow you anywhere. A believer's commitment or salvation could be emotional, could be shallow. Mark 4 tells us about the seed that has fallen on the ground Some fell on the rocky soil, and then the birds came and took it away. And that's what happens to a lot of of people today. But the song we just said says, All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever 
love and trust him in his presence daily live. Daily. Number two, not only are we to deny ourselves, we're to carry the cross. Luke 14, which we read, verse 28 through 32, says, One builds a tower, you must first sit down and calculate the cost. When he lays a foundation, is, is, uh, you know, is it solid? If you're not able to finish, then people are going to talk about you. You have to carry your cross. You know, Joshua weighed that out in Joshua 24. He says, you know, you can serve the gods of the Amorites, the Perizzites, the whatever rites, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what you got to say to your children, to your mothers, to your fathers, to your best friends, to your co-workers. Christ first. Before your mother, your father, your spouse. I told my wife, you know, because I love Jesus, my love for you is deeper than it ever could have been in me as an individual. Because now I know the author of love. Doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that you know the author of love and you know what agape love is. It's not eros love. It's not, you know, it's not uh, phileo love. It's not storge love. It's agape love, unconditional, unpretentious love. Your love for him should be first. That's why that's a powerful verse, one of the first verses I ever memorized. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, number one. Number two, carry his cross. And number three, follow him. You know how to deny yourself daily. You're to take up your cross daily. You're to be willing to die if need be. After all, weren't you crucified with Christ? And it's no longer Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ that lives in you. I hope this is stirring up, and you know, people over the internet, and and you and me, because it's stirring me up too. As I always say, the message is first for the pastor. Some of them don't, some of these people in churches, they don't really realize the true cost when they raise their hand to follow Jesus. Some of them is emotional. Some of it's very shallow, and the devil comes and steals it away. I can name two people in the last year. I haven't seen them since. Here. And I've talked to them. Backsliders. You have your hand to the plow. You're not worthy. If you look back, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. Here's what James 5 says. James 5, verses 19 and 20, the last two verses of the book of James. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, you're, you're one of those red-tailed suckers floating backwards instead of swimming upstream. You wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways, he will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. He's talking about backsliders. You're not in a good shape if you're a backslider. It's time for you to examine yourself, see if you are of the faith, to test yourself unless you fail that test. And if you don't hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Jesus, you're probably failing the test. You should be hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of Christ. Not that you're going to, you know, you're going to be perfect. You're still a sinner one way or the other. Your, your triune being, your spirit man is saved. When you get to heaven, your spirit man is going to live. The soul man has got to catch up to the spirit man because that spirit man is 100% saved. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The spirit man is completely saved. The, the carnal man, the, the flesh man, the soul man needs to submit to the spiritual man. And that was, that's that way you get delivered from, from being a sinner. Because you're no longer is the, it no longer is the soul in control, but the spirit is in control. First Thessalonians 5, 
I'm going to have to read that. Oh, boy. I know it by heart. But sometimes you lose it. You know what I mean? First Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the peace of God now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're a triune being, as you well know. God is a triune being. There's Father, there's Son, there's Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created. Verse 1 of Genesis 1. Genesis 1-2, the Spirit hoovered over the face of the waters. That's the, fa the Spirit and the Father. And then God spoke. The Trinity is revealed right there in the first three verses of your Bible. Father created, the Spirit hoovered, and the Word of God spoke. And we know who the Word of God is, don't we? The Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, for those of you that don't know, that was the Big Bang. God spoke. When, when, he, when Jesus was baptized, didn't he come down and he spoke? But some of them heard his voice like thunder. Like Jesus was rejected by men, you might be rejected yourself. But you know what? You're a child of Almighty God. You're a child of Almighty God. He hasn't rejected you. They did. But who are they compared to Almighty God? You're a child of God. Your self-esteem should be whew, through the roof. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures now forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. Here's some scripture and some songs that have been created over the centuries. It's instructions for the soldiers of Christ. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says this, Be on the alert, church. Stand firm in faith. Act like men, church. Don't wimp out. You're a soldier of Christ. Be strong. That's what the scriptures tell us. George Duffield, who wrote a song back in 1818 through 1888. Here's his song lyrics. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Lift high your royal banter. It must not suffer loss. You that are men now serve him against unnumbered foe. Let courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. Wow, did we forget we're soldiers of Christ? So therefore, Luke 14, 33, so therefore, not one of you can be my disciples who does not give up all his possessions. Remember, we're talking spiritually here, not literally. Jesus is saying it. Again, a spiritual passage. Jesus doesn't say give up everything. You are to go home and sell everything you have. You're to make sure that God's number one and his son Jesus is right there. And you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He'll saturate your being. He's saying, just don't fall in love with your possessions. You can have a yacht. You can have a condo on the French Riviera. Just don't love it more than him. That's, that's an idol. You know, that's right in the Ten Commandments. Number three, follow Jesus. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I'll follow me and I'll make you a Christian. He said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men to be Christians. Who's that saying goes, you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. You, you teach him how to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, you know, he's saying, 
follow me. I'll teach you how to catch fish, uh, men for the kingdom of heaven. You got to consider the cost, though. You got to think it through. Because of this, here, here's an easy scripture to remember: John six six six, John six sixty six. As a result, when Jesus told him these things, he told him things like, "Eat my flesh and drink my blood." He wasn't talking literally. He didn't want you to come up and cut him and drink his flesh. He wanted to, he's talking spiritually. My blood's going to be shed for you. My body's going to be broken for you. So here's John 6, 66. As a result, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore because they were taking what he said literal. You know what? If you're a Christian, you should be taking things from the Word of God spiritually and literal. If it's literal, that's great. And it could be both. That's what I've been pulling out in the Scriptures as uh, over the years. It could be both. Drink my blood, John 6, 53 and 58, which is just before, you know, the, the disciples left. He had 70 disciples, and after it was all over, he had 12 left. Because they were disciples. The other ones were made emotional commitments. They saw Jesus heal the sick, lay his hands on people, and they recovered. He saw lepers healed. They saw demons cast out, and they had their eyes on the miracle and not the author of the miracle. A uh, miracle is a supernatural activity that reveals a spiritual truth. Jesus Christ is Lord, whether you like it or not, world. It's time to own up to it. Don't be surprised then, Christian, if you're a disciple. Don't be surprised if you're despised and forsaken. This all comes out of Isaiah 53. Don't be surprised if you're forsaken, because he was. Don't be surprised if you have sorrows and grief. Don't be surprised if you're afflicted or you're even pierced or crushed. Don't be surprised if they blame you. Don't be surprised if they oppress you or ostracize you or even kill you for his name's sake. They will not listen to you. But Jesus said, Luke 6, 22, 23, he said something like this. Jump and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. Great. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm a Christian. I made the best choice of my life when I was 27 years old. That day sticks out in my life like a, like a it's, it's always before me. That was the greatest day of my life. And I thought it was going to be the worst. And it's become the greatest. Because without that day, I probably wouldn't be standing here right now. I'd probably be dead. Thank you, Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me save your holy line. Let me feel thy Holy Spirit. Truly know that thou art mine. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to you. Fill me with your love and power. Let thy blessings fall on me. All to Jesus I surrender. Now I feel the sacred flame. The Holy Spirit should be on fire in your heart. Now you feel that sacred flame. It's no longer a spark. It's flamed back up again. Oh, the joy of our full salvation. Glory, glory to your name. So whoever you want to be Christ's disciple, I want you to come up here tonight or over the Internet. I want you to go to my email, joe at freedomchurchpb.org, and say, I made a decision to follow Jesus with my whole heart. I'm going to be a disciple, not just a believer. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to win souls. I'm going to preach the gospel everywhere I go. And you don't have to convert them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. All you're supposed to do is tell them. Believe me, if they're ready, you they will exercise their belief right there. I've seen it happen a number of times. Here's what J. Vernon McGee says. I'm going to invite Lewis up here. Where is he? Is he still here? Lewis, we're going to play this song one more time. I'm going to stay up front. You can renew your commitments, or you can stay in your seat. I look around this church, and I see mostly everybody I know here. I know where you're at, but, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't recommit yourself. I do it constantly. I wonder why he even put me up here. And he, as I said to you one time, he t I told him that many times. He says, who am I going to use? You're all sinners. So he used me. Thank you, Lord. I love it.
Listen, J. Vernon, says, J. Vernon McGee again says this, There is a big difference between a believer and a disciple. A disciple cannot stop talking about his Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what Peter did in Acts chapter 4 when they told him, John, to shut up about this name? He says, you, be, you can be the judge of this. We're going to obey you or we're going to obey men. We can't stop speaking. I can't stop speaking. And I don't want to stop speaking because my redemption, my salvation lies in Jesus Christ. But don't be just a casual Christian. You've got to be fired up. If you're lukewarm, these, you know, the Bible, the Word of God is tough. Jesus wasn't meek-minded, I mean, mealy-mouthed, I should say. He was bold and to the point. Become a disciple, not just a believer. So, we're going to end there. Lewis, you can take over, and I'll be up front. Anybody who wants to pray, come on up front. Anybody online, send us an email so that we can, we can rejoice with the angels in heaven over your salvation. Oh, to Jesus I surrender Oh, to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily